Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host as always, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today is... Jason Rosenbaum of the St. Louis Beacon. And... Joe Manis with the St. Louis Beacon. And our special guest this week is... Francis Slay, mayor of the city of St. Louis. As Jason pointed out uh, while we were in the green room, this is our first executive guest that we've had on the show. Yes, the first person who is overlording and ruler of, a, of any entity, although it's a little bit more well, complicated to, than well, that. Well, to Shara Jones was citywide. Yes. That's She's true. the ruler over the city treasury. So I'm, I'm being a little facetious here, but we are, we, are, we are always trying to break new ground on this show. <laughs> always breaking new ground. So, Mayor, thank you very much for joining us. Um, with most of our guests, we have them talk a little bit about themselves, their districts. I think everyone's pretty familiar with the city of St. Louis, and you've been mayor for some time. But I would wager that a lot of people aren't very familiar with you before you entered into politics. Well, I've been in government now for 28 years. I'm in my fourth term as mayor, of course, uh, 13th year. I uh, served on the board of aldermen for 16 years. Uh, before that, six years as the president of the board. Uh, before that uh, and during that time as, as an alderman, I practiced law. I practiced law for 21 years. And um, I, uh, I've, got, uh, I've been married to my wife, Kim, for 33 years. We have two grown children, uh, my son Francis and Kate, 30 and 26 years old, uh, both uh, doing well. And um, I've, I got into politics uh, at a very young age. It's, uh, it was kind of inbred. My family was very involved in politics. It started in 1933 yeah. with uh, my great uncle who served on the board of aldermen on an at-large uh, board seat. And then that was in the 30s. My grandfather was on the board of aldermen in the 40s and served in the Dickman uh, administration in the refuse uh, division. And then um, my father served in uh, for 45 years of public service in various capacities. So um, been involved in politics sometime. Well, your family's also been in the restaurant business, too. Yes. I am I correct? Yes, and I worked many, many years in the restaurant business. Started probably at age 14 as a busboy and worked there until I was uh, gainfully employed as an attorney at the age of uh, 25, I believe. So worked there for quite some time. What, and what, and what he's also a far a star soccer player. Serious. I played uh, uh, very competitively in college and, and played with a lot of good teams and great players. I, very I, good, pl very good teams and very good players. Now, when I read Joe's profile of you earlier this year, I did not know anything about how you were a soccer player, how you know much of a health nut you are, because your your opponent is a health nut too. It might have been the two most healthiest <laughs> candidates I've ever seen run for 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 a mayorship. Um, well, I think it helps me. I um, I like to make sure uh, you know priorities for myself personally because this job is so busy. It's important uh, to be disciplined uh, with your personal life. And for me, uh, getting good sleep, number one, um, eating reasonably well, not, not uh, eating a lot of junk all the time, and then exercising in that order. Mm. Uh, it really does help me uh, with my energy level and helps me with my ability to, uh, you know, tackle all the tough problems. It, it really does. Getting good sleep, eating well, and then exercising um, uh, just helps me psychologically and helps me tackle all the tough issues that we have in the city. Now, I wanted to ask you kind of a basic question for our listeners, because I joked at the beginning that you're this imperial overlord of a city, but it is actually much more complicated than that. It seems like the mayor of, of St. Louis, may, people may not know exactly what your duties are, or what your powers are. 
and what you have to work with with the Board of Aldermen and the Board of Estimate and Apportionment. And Correct. So I wanted you just to touch base on what exactly your role is as mayor over this city. Well, it's, it's complicated, but I'll try to make it simple. I am the chief executive officer of the operations of city government, the operating departments, the streets department, traffic, health, human services, um, the streets, you know, uh, corrections, uh, f- fire department, uh, police department, all those departments um, uh, report to me. So that those are the operations of city government, but there are other there are other departments that that do not report to me. Uh, the treasury, uh, which is uh, separately elected, and that's the parking meters and parking Correct. lots and garages that are owned and operated by the city. Uh, I have no direct authority over those at all, and uh, although that's we get all the calls, Correct. but uh, <laughs> somebody didn't like a parking ticket they get, and then of course there's tax. Uh, uh, license collector, collector of revenue, that they, those are separately elected. The uh, circuit attorney, of course, the, the clerk of the courts, uh, that th- th- these are all um, elected officials, although the clerks are no longer elected uh, for the courts, that do not, they do not uh, uh, respond to me to record of deeds. Uh, so these are all different departments that are separately elected. The budget director doesn't report to me directly. Uh, there is a three-member board, uh, a triumvirate of, that, that includes the president board of aldermen, the comptroller, and the mayor. It's called the Board of Investment and Apportionment, and um, all expenditures uh, come through the board. Uh, that, that includes the budget. So the budget director actually works for the Board of Investment and Apportionment. Yes. Uh, I cannot independently um, – uh, direct or uh, the, the, the budget director or if it came to it couldn't independently if it needed to be uh, disciplined for some reason or another. Uh, we have a very good budget director, works well with all of us and that's, that's basically uh, part of um, what we need to do is figure out how we um, you know, put the budget together. together. But ultimately, um, frankly, the rest of the city government really does look uh, to the mayor's office for leadership in putting a budget director in. And while I am not – it's not my sole responsibility, of course, um, I'm accountable for, you know, how it, in, it turns up and I get that. So uh, we work real hard at it, particularly – and we've had some tough budget years. As you well, because I think some people, our listeners, may not realize how, like, for most city expenditures, you need at least two votes in the Board of Estimate and Apportionment for most major um, expenditures. And back in the day, <laughs> this is way back in the late 70s when I was covering City Hall, I remember that there would be such these such loud fights between um, the Mayor Conway, who was the mayor at the time, Paul Simon, who was president of the Board of Aldermen, and Ray Persich, who was the comptroller. And, that, and sometimes the passion over a particular issue would be so loud that there's the double doors in the mayor's office, and there's also the double doors from the, the mayor's waiting room out to the hall. You could be in the hall, and you could hear them through clo- two sets of closed doors uh, yelling at each other over some expenditure. So it's a, I think people don't always realize it's not just the mayor or it's not just whoever. It's these, the three people who hold those jobs that really make most of the major financial decisions in and, the city. And to, keep, and to keep it all in perspective, <laughs> there are two other people in city government that have the exact same say I do on all expenditures. Right. Correct. And yet, you know, usually people look to the mayor when there's an issue. I get it. I'm, not, I'm okay with it. But uh, it does, it does uh, really make that that's, – that's a challenge. Um, and so, but um, I'm still enjoying it, and, and we we do everything we can to communicate with the other members and try to work things out, and uh, for the benefit of the people of St. Louis. So let's get to the nitty gritty issues that we are slated to do today. <laughs> um, one thing that you've recently been 
pushing for is a gun docket. Now, before I even try to incorrectly explain it, I want you to kind of explain what you 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 wanted here and what happened before this the judges last week. Very simply, um, you know, we have far too many gun crimes, too many illegal guns in the city of St. Louis, and um, really. I, I think it's it's really the cause of a lot of these shootings, uh, just too many guns and, and just not enough consequences for those that are using them. Uh, what what I proposed and something we've talked to the judges about and we were hoping to get them to, to agree and, and do something on their own uh, with our, you know, working with us, is to put together a, a gun, uh, two gun divisions, basically, um, armed, uh, armed offender dockets in the city of St. Louis that would be in charge of all... Uh, unlawful use of weapons, and, and um, I don't need to get into all the details of what that means, but uh, including um, uh, armed robberies in the city of St. Louis. They would go to those divisions, and from beginning to end, from the plea from the beginning all the way to conviction and sentencing, they would stay in those divisions. So it would be something, first of all, we would send a message to anybody using a gun in a crime that we're going to pay attention to you, and we're not going to tolerate it. And, uh, you know, when we're when, when the judges are doing uh, setting bonds, you know, for uh, potential uh, pretrial release, or if they're if the people uh, the criminals get uh, the alleged criminals get convicted uh, in the sentencing, uh, and all the way through from arraignment all the way, and which is the plea original plea uh, opportunity, all the way through trial, uh, the judges would be involved and uh, be responsible for you know providing oversight over these individuals. So we let them know we're and we we would bolster. We would provide more resources to the prosecutor's office. Um, probation and parole would be involved. University of Missouri-St. Louis would provide um, a, uh, a professor, uh, a faculty member, and uh, uh, a graduate student to help with all that so that, you know, we let people know that we're, we're going to keep an eye on you. You use a gun. You have an illegal gun in the city. You use it in a crime. Um, we're going to pay attention to you, and uh, we're not going to tolerate it. Unfortunately, uh, the judges voted that down. So has this been done in other cities? And if so, has it been successful in deterring or lessening crimes that use firearms? No, no city that I'm aware of has done anything uh, like the one that we're uh, that we're that we've proposed. And, you know, we've really thought through this. We looked at what some other cities done have done and what worked and what didn't work. And uh, we've put together what we think is a very comprehensive approach where uh, we've got everybody working together uh, to make sure it works. I mean, frankly, this also gives us as citizens and people in neighborhoods that are affected by these decisions these judges are making an opportunity to track what's really going on. What's your next step now that the judges have rejected it? Well, there's, there's, a, there's a couple things we're doing. First of all, we want to make sure that um, – you know, we put together a mechanism so that we can track better what's going on in uh, what's basically a scattered system where these, these criminal defendants are going to be going to different divisions. They're harder to keep track of. Uh, they're not going to be consistent in one division throughout the whole process, which is 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 not going to work. Uh, but we're going to try to keep track of it more. But I think more importantly, we want to go to Jefferson City and uh, see if we can't get the state legislature uh, to support a uh, – to actually impose a um, – a, such a docket, a armed, crim, armed uh, offender docket in the city of St. Louis. Now, w- 
would you be able to argue in favor of just for the city of St. Louis? Or if, if you went to the legislature, would it have to be something that would apply to all cities of a certain class, for example? So it might affect Springfield and Kansas City as well. It could it could go either way. But as I understand it, the mayor and the prosecutor in Kansas City are, are interested in something similar. We had a, we just had our um, uh, our crime summit yes, I was there two days in Kansas summit, City, yeah. two days in St. Louis. And out of that, the experts agree this is a good idea. This is a recommendation. And by the way, uh, the attorney general, Chris Coster, is at the forefront. He, he likes the idea. And uh, we're hoping to get his, uh, his support up in Jeff City for an agenda that would include that, a crime agenda that would include an armed offender docket in St. Louis and potentially Kansas City as well. Now, the one danger of going to the legislature, especially in 2014, although it's not going to be as big an election year as some years, is that then it gets kind of enmeshed with all the statewide politics. And, of course, Coster's running for governor in 2016. <laughs> so does this kind of make it more complicated as you're trying to get some policy done where it gets involved in because all these different legislators are trying to position themselves to run for AG or something else. Well, the state legislature is more akin to what you see going on in Washington. Anytime you go into that and you've got a lot of interests and a lot of different agendas going on, it does make it more complicated. But we are not deterred. This is too important. Uh, the, the most important thing we can do is make our streets safer for every one of our citizens. And every neighborhood in our city can be safer and this is part of what we need to do. This isn't, this isn't a silver bullet. There's no silver bullet. There's no magic wand. But what we need to do is make sure these um, violent offenders, these, these armed offenders in the city of St. Louis are, are treated, uh, I think, more appropriately than what we've seen in the past. We've seen too many of them uh, come into the system. They're right back out on the street uh, with little or no consequences. So there's no real sense of there's – no, uh, there's no swift or certain – you know, uh, consequences to their action, and therefore they, they want to keep doing it. Um, these, are, these, are, these are families and neighborhoods we're talking about, and the judges need to be, um, I think, held be- better and more accountable for the decisions they're making, and this would help to help do that. You, you have been in office for some time, and the thing about Jefferson City is leadership come and, comes and goes because of term limits. I'm interested to see or hear your take on the Missouri legislature in terms of, you know, just recently we've had a lot of House and Senate leadership, not from St. Louis City necessarily, but from the St. Louis area. Right. Has that changed uh, any of your efforts on lobbying them on legislation that would impact the city? Oh, no. First of all, um you know, whoever's elected, I know this, you know, we need their support for things that are important to St. Louis. And it's up to me and the people that we have working with us in, in Jeff City. Uh, Rodney uh, Boyd is a, just a great uh, uh, government relations person. He does work uh, uh, very well. He's well respected up there and others we work with uh, to convince legislators uh, that what we, what, you know, to, to support the things that we think are good for St. Louis. And, you know, yeah, we have the urban and the rural uh, dichotomy. We also have issues with, um, you know, some things uh, Republicans and Democrats sometimes are fighting on things or not agreeing on things, and it may impact, they may leverage various things. It may have nothing to do with what we're asking for, but we get caught up in the politics. Well, sometimes. this happened the last session during the tax credit debate because you and Jeff Rainford, your chief of staff, were in Jeff City all the time for that because you were trying to get, uh, you were willing to take some reductions in the Historic tax credits, which the city uses a lot in exchange for some other 
uh, heightening or some creation of other tax credit programs. Are you concerned at all that this gun effort that you're going to be pushing is also going to get enmeshed in some of this? Because there's still the tax credit debate. There's still other stuff that's going to be well, coming down. It's certainly not. Uh, we have to be prepared for for anything, and we really sometimes we're surprised. The uh, we had plenty of votes, for example, for the local control of the police department. Uh, it, the the fact is, it never got to a vote. It was being held up as leverage for something else. And although it, although it did pass the house, it did pass the house, but it got held up in the correct, Senate. Correct, correct. And so we never really got a vote there. It, it was held up, so we had to go for a statewide initiative petition, which was much more lengthy. And, uh, and and a lot more expensive. But the point is uh, that that's what happens sometimes when you go to when you go to Jeff City. It's the same thing happens, you know, when you go to Congress, of course, there's uh, there's a lot more interest. And, and I will tell you uh, that uh, I don't think the uh, the term limits helps. I mean, basically, a lot of times uh, individuals are already uh, jockeying for the next thing that they're going to exactly. be uh, running for. In many cases, more so now than ever, uh, there are uh, multiple people looking at running for the same thing that they would <laughs> otherwise would not be thinking about if right. they knew that they could run again and for that position. And so uh, what happens many times, uh, because you have um, all this going on, you have very experienced lobbyists and very experienced bureaucrats that are making a lot of decisions, and the elected officials uh, are, I think, less um, less influential as a result. Having said all that, you know we have to deal with that. And the other thing that happens is with redistricting, in my view, um, a lot of the districts are, di- are are gerrymandered in a way that are heavily favor Republicans or heavily favor Democrats. So they're all in safe. A lot of them are not all of them, but many of them are in safe seats. Yeah, it it really does a disservice to uh, anyone who's interested in compromise or working together to move something forward, rather than you know standing in the corners, us versus them. You know, basically, um, you know, demagoguing issues uh, on the, uh, on behalf of you know the political party loyalty. To me, I, I, it's about getting the issues taken care of in the city. Uh, I'll work with Democrats and Republicans, which I do. In some cases, I'll get more support from Republicans than I do from the Democrats on things that are important to the city. In other cases, uh, vice versa. And, and many times, we we can get you know some uh, a level of uh, uh, an, uh, y- unanimity uh, in approach. So, um, to me, the the government's important up there, and uh, and and they, they they have a big influence. What happens in the city? It is my job to help make our case for the things that are important to the people of St. Louis. Now, one issue I've kind of been yammering about for the past few months, because I do think it's an important issue for St. Louis, St. Louis City and the county, is foreclosure mediation ordinances, which the city had but were essentially invalidated by the legislature. Were you surprised that that bill managed to pass through the legislature so easily, even with support of a lot of Democrats? And where do you think that issue goes from here um, now that the city's ordinance appears to be no you know, avoid. I, I'm, I haven't uh, – I, I don't know. I don't know right now. I mean I thought that was something that we would um, uh, use to help uh, give people uh, just an extra chance to save their home. And I think that's an important thing. Uh, we, we got invol- involved in the um, foreclosure uh, assi- uh, uh, remedy uh, um, uh, in, in situation. We put together a, a – a, a group of, of quality nonprofit organizations that, that uh, Catholic Charities, uh, the uh, um, Urban League, uh, Beyond Housing, and some others to help uh, put together a approach to trying to save people's homes. And we were, we were successful in saving 
you know, thousands of families their home. But we, we thought this foreclosure mediation would take another step and even be able to help more people. Uh, it has proven to be successful in other places. And um, so where we're going to go from here yet, I'm not exactly sure, but we're not, we're not going to give up. Now, the other issue that I've been hearing you might end up going to Jeff City for, if not say why, is the whole longstanding thing over this potential rejoining of the city and county in some form. You want to talk a little bit about the latest proposal and where that is and the alleged secret meetings and that sort of stuff? Okay. Here, here's what I will tell you. Uh, we have uh, enjoyed some very good partnerships with St. Louis County over the years, the Convention and Visitors Commission, the Zoo Museum District. Uh, we have MSD, for example. Uh, we have now merged, and I expect there will be successful functions of our economic development agencies, uh, entrepreneurship and, and, and business uh, attraction and, and job creation. And, um, and, and we've, we've also worked to uh, merge our um, bomb, and, bomb and arson squad with the police department, and mm-hmm. Charlie uh, Dooley has proposed, and, and I've agreed to some other things to on, on, on public safety training, mm-hmm. for example, doing that together and um, – and uh, even in, even keeping our c- crime statistics together. Uh, so what's happening now is it, there really isn't an organized uh, – there, there's no real um, formalized approach uh, to what I call um, city reentering the county, something I'm in favor of. I think it would right. be, be good for the entire region. But first and foremost – it has to make sense to the people that are going to be impacted. That's the people we represent. So there has to be a lot of community engagement and uh, involvement because people that we're going to be trying to sell this to need to understand what this means for them, and it has to make sense. Okay, mm-hmm. so that is my commitment that there's not going to be anything done, no, 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 nothing moving forward until we have this uh, this this engagement, uh, public engagement process. There are discussions. Nothing. It's all informal. It's all done in hodgepodge way. There's nothing uh, that's looming. And, you know, I can tell you, I haven't been involved in any secretive meetings or any secret meetings about this. Uh, I've been very upfront about where I stand on it. And um, but but I, I expect that you're going to be hearing some things more as we go forward. But it, it's going to be an open and uh, transparent process. This, you, is, you, this will you, not work if it's if it's if it's if people perceive that this is behind the scenes uh, political agreement between you know a bunch of politicians. That's not going to work. Now, do you think this decision should be decided only by city and county voters, or do you think it should be done statewide? Well, first of all, we are one one thing for sure. We need to make sure the people of St. Louis city and county are involved in the process. And uh, in terms of, uh, you know, understanding what's going on, what we're proposing, given an opportunity to, to weigh in and, and provide support, uh, what all our options are at this point, I'm not exactly sure uh, in terms of what, how we want to get this done. So we don't have any, um, uh, any kind of pathway uh, to getting it done. That, but as soon as we start talking about that and we, there's a pathway, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure it's, it's known. Uh, but I will tell you that, um, he, you know, in my view is, first of all, this is one, we, we, we are part of the same economy. The region needs to be working more together and more efficiently and, and, com- and competing against the rest of the United States and the world if we want to be, if we want to start, continue to grow, if we want to start attracting uh, more businesses and jobs. And uh, we just have way too many um, government uh, functions that are um, 
uh, not necessarily uh, working as closely as they can be, and it's costing taxpayers more money. So ultimately, the, the, the objective is to have a more livable community and a government that works better for everybody. Now, is there a role... Might there be a role for the state legislature in this or not? I mean, would you need? Uh, well, you know what? I, or can there, you do there it without be. him is what I'm asking. Well, I don't know the answer to that offhand. Uh, I mean, there may be a role for the state legislature. There may be something that will be required of the state legislature. Again, there's no – right now there's no um, uh, path uh, that's been already laid out in terms of what approach we're taking and how we're going to get there. Uh, it is, uh, again, a lot of informal stuff going on in conversations and, and no secret plans uh, to that I'm aware of, that I'm part of, uh, to do anything uh, specific uh, other than I. That will, there's nothing, no secret plans. But what I've been saying all along is I, I'd like to see the city reenter the county again as another municipality. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see a vote on that uh, 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 of some nature uh, between now and, uh, and 20, um, 2017. And I'd like to uh, see um, – and, and, and while we're doing this, there needs to be uh, uh, transparency and, you know, public engagement, significant and, and, and meaningful public engagement. So one other topic I wanted to touch on that's going through the board of aldermen right now is Paul McKee's Northside Regeneration Project, which has been an, an issue of, of, of some note and controversy for, I guess, the last 10 years now, maybe maybe less than that. It's looking like this TIF activation. I, I, I can't read the Board of Aldermen maybe as well as Joe can because she has been around it longer than I have. Longer than you've been alive, yes. young man. <laughs> but, but from what I can sense, there's probably enough support eventually to pass the activation of, of the two other parts of the TIF. So my question is, if this becomes active, what are your thoughts on how this project is going to go forward for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Do you think it can be successful in – and what do you think the impact of it is going to be? Yeah, you know, Paul McKee is a very unique individual. He's got a vision, uh, and he has determination, and he's got a good reputation to be able to get things done under very difficult circumstances. You know, what, what the political uh, fallout as a result of some of the things that uh, you know in, in doing a massive project like this. I mean, it's it's going to happen. And then the other thing is the lawsuit that held him up, and then we had the economy go into the tank right. for a long period of time. He has uh, $60 million in this, about $30 million of his own money, and then he's borrowed about another $30 million. So the point is that um, this is a very difficult project, but what he has accomplished so far, he has assembled many, many um, uh, scattered sites that were – uh, underutilized or vacant properties and uh, in an area that has seen a tremendous amount of disinvestment over a long period of time. What he wants to bring and what I want to support him in bringing to that area is opportunity, development, uh, jobs, uh, a better uh, quality of living uh, in a neighborhood that hasn't seen those opportunities in a long period of time. Uh, it is controversial, but uh, in the sense that uh, it's, you know, people look at it as, you know, he's coming in and he's, he's got control of all this property. Well, this, this, these were all scattered sites. If somebody comes to the city and says, I need 10 acres or 15 acres to do something, we don't have it. They'd have to go out and, and, and buy properties. Some of it is, um, much of it may be uh, environmentally contaminated. Right. Well, what he wants, he's assembling these sites so he can market these areas with a planned development that will benefit our city. It's just north of downtown. 
the the new Mississippi River Bridge is 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 coming in right to, uh, into the area that that he ha- that he uh, that he's in, that he has that, that's part of the development plan. The city was able to unload a lot of um, LRA properties that you know we couldn't take care of ourselves. We didn't have the resources and give them to him so he can. Well, we didn't give them to him. We sold them to him for millions of dollars, so he could help market you know some of the sites and market it. Uh, I think it can be because uh, because I think Paul has the ability to do it. Uh, we uh, have the the um, the commitment to help you know work with them to make it happen. And and I can tell you this: if it doesn't work, and I think it will, mm-hmm. and it, and I and I hope it does, uh, that property will still be more marketable because of all the efforts that Paul McKee undertook to assemble those sites uh, and bring them under uh, uh, the umbrella so that you can market those. Uh, more to developers. He also wants to do a lot of uh, rehab of older buildings. What sort of timeline are you looking at? I mean, realistically, I mean, are you saying this is something that within 10 or 15 or 20 years you'll see big, or do you think sooner? I mean, as far as people actually seeing some results, because people in the city and, and in the region have heard proposals, maybe not as expansive as this one, but they've been hearing proposals about what to do with parts of the north side for decades. No, it's, uh, I, I can tell you that um, it's hard to say exactly what anyone should expect. But I will tell you that Paul is out actively marketing that that property right now, and Paul McKee. Uh, we, he is talking to a lot of um, interested uh, organizations and, and others that, that have ideas and, and uh, want to provide opportunities there. And uh, I think the fact that we now that we've, we're over the lawsuit, the economy is starting to come back, and I mean that's all helpful. It, it, there was there was a huge delay because of the lawsuit and the economy. I can tell you that. Now, now is this tied at all to Aerotropolis at all with Lambert? As far as the you know, because there was some of the discussion about tax credits for the cargo hub at Lambert actually did get somewhat enmeshed into uh, McKee's plan, at least in some minds in Jeff City. Well, you know, anytime you're talking about tax credits, um, you know, all of it is somehow connected in some degree because there, there has been some effort at tax credit reform. And, again, we've been at the table there to try to make sure that whatever's done isn't too uh, draconian because this, these tax credits have gone a long way in helping us, you know, build more quality uh, affordable housing, also to uh, rehab a lot of these uh, uh, vacant or, or underutilized historic buildings that have helped bring many neighborhoods in downtown alive, in, not just in St. Louis, but in, in cities all over. I, mean, I was in Joplin and saw some of the things that went on in Joplin, Missouri with, mm-hmm. with the historic tax credits. So what we want to do is we don't want to throw the whole thing out with the, uh, the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, I've heard that one before. But uh, we want to make sure that whatever's done is done, um, uh, you know, with the tax credits is done so that some of these really good programs aren't completely gutted and we can, we can keep our uh, moving forward in, in providing incentives to rebuild uh, some very difficult properties and to, you know, invest in some of our uh, more challenging neighborhoods in the city. So we want to keep keep moving that forward. Now, before we get into kind of the wrap-up questions, one other question about this, this Northside project. Let's say it is successful and it does bring development and works in the way that it was expected to. Is there any concern that the property values might go up so much that the people that live there can't afford to pay the property taxes or are priced out of their homes. That's been a contention that's been brought forward by some of the critics of this. What's kind of your take on on that possibility? Well, my take is what's happened so far. Lack of investment, disinvestment. I mean, the properties that he bought, almost nobody else wanted. 
Okay, I mean that's what we were talking about. A lot of a uh, lot of infrastructure issues, a lot of environmentally contaminated properties. I mean, what's what's the alternative? Uh, and I can tell you this: we are building. By the way, we are you know working with. Uh, well, he's he's working. If there's going to be some kind of um, uh, of, of, of movement of of residents, I mean, first of all, he's required to. If he's going to buy anybody out, he's got to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's committed not to do any um, eminent domain. Eminent domain. Or any of that yes. And uh, the other thing is, uh, we we want to make sure that. Um, you know, this is success. We want we want everybody to to like this and to to have everybody feel like this is a good thing for the community. I mean, in my view, this is this is a good proposal, and uh, I, my guess is not every single person is going to like it. But if we had to wait for every single person to like everything we did, we wouldn't get anything done. Uh, but I do think he's he's been out, he's been out in the community. He's been to neighborhood meetings. He's heard a lot of people talk. We've and we've all listened and. Uh, and work with them to try to be sensitive to all the issues that are there. But ultimately, um, this is a big project, and this is one that's, um, uh, that I think is worth pursuing. Yeah, and as he has said publicly, he has no – he doesn't want to price people out of his homes. He wants the people in the neighborhood to stay there. So that should be pointed out for the record that yeah. he has publicly yeah, said he that. Wants to, he wants to make sure that he does a mixed income uh, development, but it, where, you know, it's close to jobs and, and – Good access to opportunities. Um, I mean, ultimately, again, th- there's nothing that's perfect, but I can tell you that he really brings some vision and the determination to make this a successful uh, development uh, for everybody. Now, you're just starting your fourth term. You're going to be the longest serving mayor in St. Louis history. And in fact, you're wait, going to be wait, one of the longest serving mayors. Yes. He is already. Correct. You even got a key to, to point out that accomplishment, yes. too. Yes. My point is that, though, he's <laughs> adding to it. Every Just day make, uh, yeah. he sure. serves is adding to it. But also, you're one of the more uh, longest-serving mayors in the country now, correct? Yeah, I was with uh, the president in the White House uh, a couple weeks ago with 18 mayors across the country, and one of them hit me on the shoulder and uh, on the, uh, kind of shoved me a little bit, uh, Mayor Barrett from the uh, – City of Milwaukee says, uh, "I hate to tell you this, but you look around the table. You've been here longer than any of us." <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, well, how did that? A, how'd that make you feel? And B, I mean, people tend to say when someone's in office a long time, regardless of what it is, uh, that well, they can get stale or whatever. Uh, what do you have some major things that you really want people to under, understand about you as you go into this fourth term? Well, first of all, I don't like stale. I always like to do something new <laughs> and exciting and challenging. If if anybody's seen what we're accomplishing, um, it, it's uh, I think exciting for me. I'm still excited about the job. You know, the the uh, City Arch River thing is just uh, amazing. That started uh, with a conversation with. Jack Danforth and me in my office in 2005. Some of these things take a while, and I think the continuity uh, and the, the strong team that I have and the partnerships that we've been able to build has really helped lead to some of this Cortex, the, the McKee Project, um, uh, a lot of other good things, good quality charter schools, um, and a lot of other things that's going on. And for the next, uh, you know, what I'm doing now is uh, I made it very, very uh, specific and very um, clear on uh, you go on the city's website and look under our sustainability plan, look under initiatives, and you'll see my sustainability plan, which is took two years to put together with a lot of community engagement, a lot of uh, stakeholders involved as well. 
And this is a, a blueprint for where we want to be in the city of St. Louis. Over 300 uh, initiatives and objectives, and uh, we na- even narrowed it down to my 29 priorities. So if you look at it, <laughs> which includes everything from – this is the sustainability, but this isn't just environmental sustainability. It's social and economic sustainability. So we want to we reduce obesity by a certain amount. We want to improve opp- opportunities for quality uh, public education. We've got all that specifically laid out. Reduce crime by a certain amount. Uh, and, you know, we've been reducing crime. Crime's down 46% over the last seven years in the city of St. Louis, and it's not near enough. I want to make that very, very clear. But we're making progress. It's also about, you know, making sure that, uh, that we, we work on more, a more bikeable, more livable community. Basically, we want to have a, um, a city of the future that's going to attract more, uh, you know, 20s and 30-something, people that are, are leaving college and looking for careers and opportunities, and they want to go to a place that's just livable. This sustainability plan, improve our, 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 um, the atmosphere here and, and the welcoming nature for immigration and immigrants. Uh, and that, you know, we have the uh, St. Louis Mosaic Project, and that's part of our sustainability plan as well, and it's consistent with it. So um, we've got a lot of big plans, and everything from immigration to education to reducing crime to making our city a more bikeable, more livable, a cleaner, a healthier, a smarter city. Uh, we've got a goal to increase uh, the number of college-educated uh, graduates by 75,000 over a period of time. This is a regional uh, thing that we're working with the RCGA and others on. Uh, so um, we have a lot of work to do, but believe me, it's, the job's not getting stale to me, and I am not losing my uh, enthusiasm uh, for what we do. I love the city. I've got a great team of people. We've got a lot of real strong partners, and I'm still having a lot of fun. Well, Mayor, thank you very much for joining us this week. I'll close us out here. You can read all of my stories at stlpublicradio.org. You can read all of Joe and Jason's stories at stlbeacon.org. You can follow me on Twitter at at csmcdaniel. You can follow Jason on Twitter at... Jay Rosenbaum. And you can follow Joe on Twitter at... Uh, Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And you can follow the mayor on Twitter at... Mayor Slay. At Mayor Slay. At Mayor Slay. I believe you took a photo in a hot air balloon this weekend. <laughs> I did. Yes. <laughs> which you can find on Twitter. And, and Mr. Mayor, thank you for coming here today. I'll try not to photobomb any of your campaign <laughs> literature over the next few years. You would not be a the throwback. first. You would not be the first. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Until then, so long. So long.